What's up, NBA fans? We have just finished watching what is probably what was probably the most exciting game of this final series so far. Game four, Milwaukee taking it. Uh, the Bucks taking it in Milwaukee. That is on home at home against the Suns. Chris Middleton having arguably, probably, I haven't really completely looked at the numbers, but I'm gonna guess his best playoff game of his career and really helping take down the Suns in what became a really grueling game from start to finish. And shout out to Devin Booker for scoring the most points out of any NBA player with seven fouls in the, in the game. What? Oh, yeah, you went what, there. What a, what a game. What a bunch of sketchy stuff happening here. But you know what? This is the NBA Finals. And on one side, I guess this is kind of what you want is a game really coming down to the players deciding and not being decided by the refs. Uh, so the refs really held their whistle in on a couple plays for Devin Booker. Um, but I'm going to say he unofficially finished with seven fouls <laughs> and 40 points. Probably will never be replicated again. But somehow this man stayed in this game after a blatant foul on Drew Holiday. The Bucks getting lucky that Giannis picks up the ball and scores that to give them um, to give to get them within one point. And then Chris Middleton somehow makes his basket after also looking like he was blatantly fouled by <laughs> Devin Booker and staying in there. But Sean, the Bucks now tie this up 2-2. They're heading to Phoenix. This is now a best of three series. Sean, were you ready to call the broom the broomstick after the Bucks were taken down by 10 points after at the end of game two? Or were you holding on? Were you surprised that they took these two games at home? I was holding on. And... I, I don't want to come off as like, a, oh, wow, I'm so much smarter than all these ESPN analysts. Maybe I am because they <laughs> obviously just go by exactly what happened in the very last game that they watched. Right. But I mean, it, it's the same thing every single series. And I've, I've watched the Clippers do it enough times just this year to know that it's not over till it's over. And I think the that I mean, one of the proverbs I think of basketball stands true is that it, it's not a series until the home team loses. Mm -hmm. And and that, that didn't happen in the first two games. The Suns did what they were supposed to do. And now the Bucks have done what they're supposed to do. And it's all kind of going exactly as it should for my uh, Suns and seven prediction. <laughs> That's but, true. Yeah. Still got Suns and seven. But yeah, I'm not surprised. And I mean, the thing I was most surprised about was Giannis playing in this series from the start. Right. I, I mean, we, we recorded this right before the finals begun, our last podcast. And I was like, I, I'd be happy if, if the, I'm the Bucks and he comes back in game three. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, he comes back in game one and he, he plays really, he's been playing really well the whole series. I mean, game one was a, a little rough, but I mean, ever since then, dude, this dude is so ready. He wants this as bad as anybody else. I thought Chris Paul would want it more than him. And it looked like that at the start of this series, but now the script is flipping a little bit and it seems that Giannis wants this just as much as Chris Paul does. Yeah, I think this is what's so exciting to me about game three, game four is and game two a little bit. We got a preview of it, but I really mm. more I feel game three and game four. We really got to finally see a Giannis really taking the ball and, you know, show, showcasing why he is a two time MVP and one of the most dominant physical specimens in this game. You know, I knock, I give him knocks a lot for not being a skillful basketball player. 
especially throughout this whole playoff run. He's he kind of just he's been frustrating for me to watch at times. And, you know, James Harden has called him out on it. Kevin Durant with his quote of don't compare me to Giannis. <laughs> and I think because both those guys are very skillful players and Giannis, I think, lacks in that department. You you can make an argument for. But, man, the guy is still, though, physically dominant. He's just so quick, so long, so big. And the Suns really don't have an answer for that. And I think in game one, Giannis was really shying away from it for whatever reason. I think now he's starting to really realize that if he's going to dominate this series, if he's going to be the player, the best player, it's he's going to have to do it playing his game, which is being close to the basket, being everywhere, and just being something that that's very hard to contain, um, that really no player in the league can really contain. It takes a whole team, and the Suns have been trying their best. But by sending him to the free throw line, and he's been responding there. And then, of course, to close the game out, we get the Chris Middleton, Giannis pick and roll, which is starting to look to me like the most dominant pick and roll combo mm. I've seen in the playoffs so far. <laughs> and that's wow. the combo they went to to close this game out. Chris Middleton with two crucial clutch back to back buckets that he would not have he would not have gotten. Was it not for his pal Giannis and really setting mm-hmm. up good picks, calling good attention? And this this two man game, I don't know why we haven't seen more of this through this series, but to see it today in the way we did, and Chris Middleton just rising up with such confidence to knock down those two shots uh, was inspiring to watch. And uh, I want to see more of that. And the Bucks are going to need more of that as well to hang with this this hot Suns team. Um, no pun intended. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was really fun to finally get to see that. And I think that's really the best side of the Bucks offensively is the Chris Middle the Chris Middleton and Giannis pick and roll game. Right. And I mean that's really what the Bucks needed to get back in this series. They needed Chris Middleton to be the same guy that he was in the Hawks series. Mm-hmm. And he had not been very good this entire series, games one through three. He really didn't show up. Even in that big win in game three. He was okay, you know, and you you need more than okay if you're going to win a championship. And today was exactly exactly what we expect from Middleton when you least expect him to do well. Mm-hmm. He he just pulls these random performances out and, and that pick and roll offense you mentioned is a big part of that was getting him going with Giannis and man a 40 point performance from Middleton tonight. I mean that that was huge. That that is what won them this game, and it was really cool to see him finally coming out and being that player that we saw he could be. I mean, we we labeled him as potentially a top fifteen player in the league after that Hawks series and watching him see what he could do, mm-hmm. and it made me regret it. You know, these first <laughs> three games were like, oh man, did we really do that? Like, did we fall for the for the analyst trick of just what have you done for me lately? But yeah, the recency I, bias. <laughs> the recency bias i i thought that that was just who he was and i i I was a little worried games one through three but he's still there he's still in there and and game four he he came out and played he played really well 15 for 33 three for eight from three seven for eight from the free throw line um 43 minutes tonight 43 minutes from Giannis Mm -hmm. as well 43 minutes from true holiday um the dudes came out to play except for holiday struggled a little bit four for 20 was really hesitant at times. It looked close to the end there to even shoot the ball. He had some good looks, some good transition threes from Giannis and just couldn't couldn't knock him down 0 for 5. So you hope you can get a better game from him there. 
And maybe if you do get that decent game from him, this this game wouldn't have run so close. I mean, the Bucks were down most of this game, but they were always just hanging in there, hanging in there and just playing tough. Um, and they managed to steal this game from the Suns. Mm-hmm. The Suns are probably going away thinking they should have won this. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, a little bit, some of those moments when Devin Booker was taken off the off the floor with his foul trouble, I think some of that gave gave them that little window of opportunity to take it. And of course, Giannis block it towards the end of the game too. Oh, when DeAndre man. Aiden looked like he had a <laughs> wide open dunk. I could have all swung the momentum even further for the Suns. Giannis pulls through with a, just a, a disgusting block, which is really the name of the game of who he is. It's like when the, the Bucks go small and they put Giannis in the middle, there's there's no other big man that can long, that can match that. I mean, mm-hmm. this that should be one of the most dominant lineups in the game and it and and it should speak to how why this team is in the finals is running having lineups like that in their back pocket so uh, i i liked all around what i saw from the bucks chris paul a bit passive tonight five for 13 uh five turnovers 10 points so some costly turnovers too at the end there so you would think he he would bounce back in in, a, in the next game five right yeah and i think I mean, what's going to define this series is what role player is going to step up on the road mm-hmm. because we we saw very little from Milwaukee's bench in Phoenix and we've seen very little from Phoenix's bench in Milwaukee. And, and it's not even just the bench. I mean, the starters, too. I mean, Aiton was held to just six points tonight. I mean, yeah. He had 17 rebounds, which <laughs> is like, yeah, that's awesome. But he has six points on three of nine shooting just did not look like himself. The guy that's been shooting upwards of 70% in the entire playoffs this year. And then Mikal Bridges, man. I mean, this dude just had a career night in game two. Right. 27 points in Phoenix. He's averaging five and a half points in Milwaukee. Five <laughs> and a half points. This dude is completely vanished. He is yeah. non-existent. He's irrelevant in this series. And this is a guy who stepped up big time to help them get that win in game two. And that's the difference between game two and game four. Both were pretty close games, but Phoenix was able to close out because they were getting performances from guys that were outside of Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I mean, this and for Milwaukee on Milwaukee's side, you had Pat Connaughton step up. Pat Connaughton <laughs> step up tonight, plus twenty one off the bench tonight. Are you are you serious, man? Pat Connaughton with making some big shots that we yeah. we have berated him for taking those shots before and not passing it to Milton. He made those shots tonight. Yeah, he had he hit a big big time three. No hesitation, pulled up and just <laughs> knocked it down at such a crucial moment. Because yeah, Pat Cunnington, I gotta say, like the I'm so glad I'm not a Milwaukee Bucks fan because if I was, I, I feel like I would lose it. This team <laughs> does so many boneheaded things at times, but they're just so good defensively that I think that's that's mm-hmm. essentially what's carried them. But on the offensive end, man, they make some boneheaded mistakes. <laughs> and Pat Cunnington had his share of those throughout this game. For him to pull through and knock that that three down, <laughs> that's huge. It's huge. And also huge kudos to Mike Budhauser for continuing to have confidence in this guy. But I mean, at the it's same time, look choice. At, yeah, you look at this <laughs> bench and else. it's like, I got to hope one of these guys can really help us pull through. And Pat Cunnington has been that in the last two games. Now, 
can he come in through in Phoenix is, is a bigger question. But Pat Cunnington right now might be turning his career around <laughs> at, at, before our eyes. It's crazy, man. That, that three... You you said it, man. So confident, and that's the that's the shot that put them up in, mm-hmm. in the game. Exactly, that was their first lead that whole game, I think. Except uh, maybe earlier than the first, I don't remember. But yeah, that was something else. And then they never looked back from there. I mean, Phoenix stayed in it, obviously. But then that that costly Chris Paul turnover where he just fell down. That mm-hmm. led to that Middleton fast break where we saw Devin Booker clearly foul him, and it wasn't called. And that that was the turning point right there in my mind. That 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 was the game. Yeah, I I think there's a couple of moments, but that one for sure just sealed the deal. Just was kind of like the little dagger in the, in the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was a chippy game all around. Just a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. I think it's a big game when if you can go up three one and potentially almost close the deal on this series at home. That's huge, and to not be able to do that when you're up most of this game. Um, got to think the Mon- Monty Williams and the Suns are really, really beating themselves up about this. But, you know, again, like the Bucks have been carried huge, potentially by the home court advantage here with Pat Cunnington doing what he's doing. Chris Middleton shooting the way he has been shooting and he struggled a bit in Phoenix. So it, it's this is sort of being been an unpredictable series so far. We go back to game one where the Suns just completely cooked the Bucks from the free throw <laughs> line and the Bucks just could not contain any of the small ball lineups and the offensive weapons that Monty Williams was putting out there. And the Bucks on the offensive side weren't doing anything to punish the Monty Williams and the Suns for going with guys like campaign Cameron Johnson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jay Crowder at center at times they were going, um, Giannis six for 11 drew holiday four for 14. Yes on that on that on the offensive end there and then in game two you see them wake up a little bit but still they lose that game by 10 the small ball lineup from the suns kill again 20 for 40 from the three-point line 48 percent from three you know bridges and his career high of 27 points middleton five for 16 drew holiday seven for 21 uh Giannis goes off goes off for 42 points so if it wasn't <laughs> For that, this would have been another blowout. So, mm-hmm. uh, which essentially that forty-two points was big piece of that one fourth piece, one fourth of that yeah. was <laughs> from the free throw line, eleven for eighteen right. for Giannis. So, it's it seems so unpredictable. Still, like I'm not sure what Bucks team is going to show up in Phoenix. Uh, and you got to think that there's a there's another Chris Paul thirty pointer waiting to happen too. Yeah, I mean he's gonna be going back to phoenix with a chip on his shoulder now because mm-hmm. i mean he was on top of the world after games one and game two but now that this has happened it's it's going to be a different story but man game two yeah i think monty williams it really showed what an amazing coach he is um there was one sound bite that really stood out to me uh from the, the wired segment that they do during the broadcast where they, they give you little sound bites from what they're doing in the timeouts and stuff and it was it was late in the game and uh deandre ayton I, I can't remember exactly what play at but he was pretty down on himself for for a play that just happened he was like his head was hung low and monty williams is like hey look me in the eyes you have to dominate with force don't worry about the stats you got to dominate with force. And he was able to motivate this man in a span of like 20 seconds. He was able to get him from his head hanging low to getting up on the court and just getting ready to go out there and just destroy some dudes. And 
man, this guy is a huge leader. And mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, if the Phoenix Suns are able to reverse it, and I think they will, it, it's going to be because of Monty Williams. And he's going to he's going to have to motivate Chris Paul. He's going to have to motivate these young guys because I mean, let's be honest, like this is a huge moment for this Phoenix Suns team to be going back. We're still with the advantage in the series. And these guys are so young, man. Like this is a big moment for them. Obviously, it's not <laughs> it's for the fans. It's not as big of a moment as we're used to seeing with no, right. no LeBron, no Warriors, no real super teams to speak of here. Uh, ratings are down a lot, obviously. I, hell, I didn't even catch the whole game. I had to watch <laughs> highlights of game four tonight. Uh, um, but, I mean, it's a huge moment for them, and this is like a defining moment in all their careers. And then that, and when you put it all together, that's, that's a lot of pressure. You know, that, that's it's a lot on your shoulders. And for these guys to have to step up in front of the whole world and basically write the ship and, and play the game that they should, it, it does take a big mental game. And Monty Williams is going to have to figure out what is going to motivate these guys. Yeah. And that's an interesting thing to think about too, is the Bucks have been punched in the mouth a couple times now yeah. through, through the, <laughs> through their, through the years that this core has been together. I mean, Hall, Drew Holiday has had his fair share of disappointing seasons. I'm sure he thought him and Anthony Davis could have made a deep run in the playoffs at some point that they had that core, their core together, Middleton and Giannis, uh, Brooke Lopez, um, who else we got there? I mean, these three guys have been together since day one. Yeah. Um, losing in the second round to Miami last year. Uh, they had the number one seed the year before that as well. So the Bucks have been punched in the mouth a couple times, I think. And I think they're ready to really, from them, that's what I'm seeing. I saw I saw a big response from Giannis after losing that game one, losing that game two. Heading into game three, a big aggress- adjustment in terms of aggression from being the team that's just happy to be at the NBA finals to being a team that's like, you know what, we've we've gone down a couple times and our team isn't built to be just happy to be at the finals. They've <laughs> leveraged their future. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's, everybody's on the same page that this team is built to win. Uh, and yeah, I think Giannis recognizes that and that if he's not doing it now, who knows what's going to happen in the next few years here for this franchise. So he's playing like a guy that that's making it count every game. And for the Phoenix Suns, uh, outside of Chris Paul, um, and Jay Crowder, Devin Booker is a young guy for Simon his playoffs, DeAndre Aiden as well, Bridges and some of these other dudes that they have. I'm I, 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 I that's, that's one thing that I'm going to be curious to see is if they can respond and, um, and if this, this loss is enough for them to really come back and punch 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 just as hard if not harder than the milwaukee bucks yeah i i I think they can certainly but i mean so i have to ask the question though does this change your perspective on the series what you've seen so far and we we have we have the opportunity that uh, a lot of the daily analysts don't have we can actually look at this (laughs) from a four from the four games that have happened uh, versus having to react to one game at a time, and obviously you'll have the recency bias of, of the Bucks having momentum. But does this change your outlook? Do you think the Bucks have a shot here? Are you still sticking with your sons? I wouldn't call them my sons. Yeah, I they're still... not your sons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would say I would say the sons were probably one of my the teams I was like least rooting for. <laughs> but here they are. Fair, um, fair. 
You don't hate I, the Suns. No, I don't hate, hate the yeah. Suns. Yeah, I don't hate the Suns. I've never really had a reason to hate the franchise. You didn't. You never hated the Steve Nash Suns. <sighs> For a little bit, I did, but I also really like Steve Nash. I like oh, okay. Steve Nash. I didn't like Amari Stoudemire or any of those <laughs> I other guys. Amari Stoudemire. <laughs> but I, I like Sean Marion. Sean yeah, Marion. Sean Marion's cool. He, yeah, I, who could have anything against Sean Marion? That's true. He's the Matrix. Raja he, he, Bell, though. <laughs> yeah, I hate Raja Bell, Barbosa, uh, Kurt Thomas. I don't know all the other dudes on that on those squads that they've had. But I, I always liked. The other piece of it was that I hated the Spurs so much that that the you know the Suns consistently met them in the playoffs during their run. So it was uh, okay, like, yeah. I, I, if I had to choose the lesser of those two the evils, it was always the Sun. The Spurs That's are fair. really a franchise that. It, I mean, I don't care about them that much anymore now, but during the 2000s and 2010s, like, oh, my least favorite franchise of all time. I hated that team. But point being, yeah, I don't really have anything against the Suns, but I still do think they're the better team. But I'm so tempted to sort of turn my turn my um, turn my allegiance to the Bucks. They Mm. they have really impressed me also frustrated me the last few games because like i said this team makes some boneheaded mistakes on the offensive end um so i don't know i still i still think the phoenix suns just have way more on their bench they have more bodies i think monty williams has enough has has enough savviness and the combination of chris paul and devin booker as well they have enough offensive savviness to to really um break through the defensive dam that is the Milwaukee Bucks and further further defense of the of Milwaukee I think Giannis will continue to have great games Chris Middleton as well but Drew Holiday is man is mm. such a question mark too on this team that I'm not sure man I, I I he he just seems to be like one of the weak links in this Milwaukee Bucks team He's throughout the series yeah yeah and that's a dangerous one, and for those reasons, I, I'm still sticking with the Phoenix Suns in six games. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I mean, Holiday, four for fourteen, game one, seven of twenty-one, game two, pretty decent, game three, eight of fourteen. But then, yeah, five of twenty tonight mm-hmm. is just abysmal. I thought I thought this man was gonna have a much better series, and if he can't even shoot well in both his home games, I really don't see him doing it in Phoenix. So I'm I'm sticking with Suns and seven. Uh, I, I that was my I'm pretty sure that was my prediction last week. Yep, that was your original <laughs> I'm pretty prediction. Sure. Uh, if I said Bucks and seven, that's my bad. But it was <laughs> it's Suns and seven for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I think Chris Paul's still gonna get it. This this is gonna be a big motivating game for him because he he sh- he needs to know he's only two games away from winning his championship. Like that that is just way too close for a guy mm-hmm. that has so much on the line. To, to pass up and i and like i i know Giannis probably feels the same way but i mean he's still super young he's got plenty of time if he doesn't do it in milwaukee he'll team up with a super team when he's 31 years old and he'll he'll get a championship at yeah. some point but yeah i i think this has got to be chris paul's moment and it's like i i think it's gonna happen really anticlimactically like it's gonna be like Suns win game five, Bucks win game six, Suns win game seven. Everyone's just gonna hold their home court advantage. Maybe maybe the games will be good, but I think the end result is gonna be very mediocre. You know, yeah. like yep, they all won their home games. That <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah, like it. It does feel like 
maybe they end up blowing them out in game seven and it just ends yeah, up being sad <laughs> yeah i, I hope I it's mean, a good game i really do i mean uh, yeah I, I i can't see Giannis just dying you know like just going mm-hmm. down without a fight so i i hope it's at least a good game but i i do think that all the teams are just going to keep their home field mm-hmm. advantage and that's it yeah i mean we're still talking about two really great defensive teams so i think there'll still be a lot of I think game four is more reflective of what we're going to continue to see, I hope, in the next two games at, at the very least. But again, I just, I just still think like on the offensive end, Milwaukee just does very little to punish the lineups that the Suns put out there. Um, and this, those lineups, those versatile small ball lineups that, that Monty Williams puts out there, the, the Bucks have really yet to stop them. So especially at home in Phoenix. So I think that that would care that's going to carry this team to to winning this series. Is it fair for me to say that I I just want this series to be over so we can like get to the off season? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 am, I, am I allowed to say that as a more hardcore NBA fan? Like <laughs> I I feel like I feel like the off season the love for the off season is almost like it is sort of become a special niche I, that I people like about the, the NBA because, just because I it's so, it. <laughs> yeah, it's so much more, it's so unique compared to other well, sports. Anything's possible. That's the yeah. best part. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it has this window of when it can happen and when it can't happen. Right. So it creates this, this like sort of build up. This series is the obstacle between me <laughs> and a glorious off season where anything can happen. Yeah, and I'm I'm just watching these two teams just casually win their home games. I'm like, come on, guys! I mean, I'll, Ben Simmons gonna get traded any day now, but probably not until any of you are done. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's such a it's such a silly thing, but it it is exciting because it's like, well, the off season happens and all these moves happen, but it's like we don't really know what's gonna be the result of those wins till a couple months after those. I know. But it, that's the thing though is like the it's so much more fun for some reason for the move to happen and to just think of what is possible because of that move <laughs> but then when when the season actually happens and they start playing it's not as interesting for some reason <laughs> i totally right? know what you mean yeah right? and then the season starts and it's and then it's another start to the cycle of anticipating yeah. Like, what's gonna who's moving who could potentially be moving and like, what that would look that, like yeah like what's something that happened last off season where we were just going bonkers over it like what was, what was one of the bigger moves of last off season do you remember chris paul chris paul chris paul is a pretty big one yeah yeah drew holiday uh, Maybe Drew Holiday, yeah, Drew Holiday is a yeah, uh, which is funny because they're both in the finals now. <laughs> yeah, so this, so those did end up being impactful. Right, so they moves. ended up being super impactful moves that we were really excited to talk about, and they both exceeded expectations. I would say. I mean, both both moves have gotten them to the finals, uh, but like I don't know for some reason, like I'm watching this play out as like we wanted to discuss about last off season, and I'm just like, let's get it over with. Yeah, let's start Isn't talking about weird? the new one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is weird, right. but I, that's just a niche. I feel that's just the culture of NBA offseason <laughs> uh, culture, I guess. I don't know. I feel like it I has slowly so. become its own little thing. It's all a little slice of pizza, genre of slice yeah. of pizza. 
It's like, I should be like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted, was to see these two big offseason moves culminate into this championship showdown. And I don't really, like, care that much who wins. <laughs> and a lot of that comes down to, like, who's your favorite team, too, obviously. It's like, if this was the Clippers, I'd be super stoked right now. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, it's just... Yeah, when when you have no stake in either team, you're just like, I just want to see what else happens in the NBA. You know, it's <laughs> like we got we got a treat with that Kemba Walker trade that happened in the middle of the playoffs. And yeah. I'd say that that was as interesting as this series is, to be honest. <laughs> oh my. I don't know if I agree with that, because, again, like there are inconsequential offseason moves, though, like Russell Westbrook to Washington. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was a big one that, yeah, it was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was a big one, but it was uh, yeah, that's pretty part inconsequential. Of that's part of it, too, is because so many of those actually don't matter that much, but being able to just dream up scenarios where it could matter <laughs> a lot is part of the fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. No, I get you. And then being able to stick to one of those scenarios and then say, I told you so. Um <laughs> Like, um, (laughs) I kind of wish I would have, I would have gone all in and just been like, Sean, I think the Suns are going to be a top three seed. And then I would have been here telling you, I told you so. Oh yeah, no, that would make it it well worth it. Yeah, no, yeah. Like I've said multiple times, I got it wrong. You know, I I only pegged them as a seven, eight seed and yeah, they (laughs) obviously are where they are now, but I don't know. I guess where do I rank? It's funny. Where do I rank like NBA finals? versus off season versus regular season versus like regular like just playoff rounds well like the trade <sighs> deadline i think is also like a trade deadline yeah <laughs> trade deadline where do i re- like between those five things it's like i feel personally that off season can rank number one for me on a year <laughs> like this where i'm i'm like i love the off season so much that i would rather be in the offseason than the NBA finals. So when you say offseason, you mean like the draft. Yeah, the trades, draft, free agency, free agency and signings. Yes. The whole shebang. Yep. Yep. July through October. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it just depends on the availability and who the play who the buyers and sellers are that year. This year right. doesn't seem as exciting for me. I guess the biggest seller right now would be Ben Simmons in the 76ers. Uh, yeah, you got Ben Simmons. I mean, Damian Lillard might move. True, you know? that's true. Damian Lillard might move. I mean, Lonzo Ball might come back to the Lakers just yeah, like Yeah, that's predicted. an exciting one. That's an like, exciting one. Come on, man. There's always <laughs> big headlines every offseason in the NBA these days. Players move every year, even when it doesn't look like there's a lot of free agents or a lot of cap space they all the players find and the teams find a way and yeah for for a year like this where it's like you know i'm I'm happy for the bucks or the suns and it'll be a decent basketball game but like i want fireworks man and like (laughs) we're not getting any fireworks from this series yeah don't worry i think i think we're we're close well the thing too is that this is we would be deep into off season right now well some of the most more exciting peaks of it probably would have passed already July know, that's the crazy, yeah that's why i'm like come on i want this to happen already <laughs> but yeah i'm I, i'll enjoy the last three games i'll watch because there will be based on my prediction there well, will be here, three more games here I, I will enjoy them uh, i will i will hold i will be patient and we will get to the off season soon enough <laughs> yeah 
Here's another moment for you. What about summer basketball? Not summer NBA basketball, but summer, like summer FIBA, FIBA basketball. Oh, FIBA? Olympic qualifier FIBA. basketball. <laughs> Olympics is, is fun. I, I, I'll, I'll watch some Olympics. I watched the um, USA-Argentina game, but I only caught some highlights of, of the previous two, which uh, I kind of wish I saw those whole games. <laughs> I'm not a huge follower of the olympic qualifier the fiba exhibition games but i'll watch i'll watch the olympic group play and playoff games but final thoughts here to close the podcast off is are we losing faith in usa basketball they lose to nigeria i i try to figure out where this country is ranked uh in the international <laughs> rankings couldn't figure it out uh they lose to australia but australia is you know more respectable they actually have two nba yeah. starters Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Matisse Thibault, not a starter, but, you know, he's on the squad. Um, and Australia's ranked third in the world, but they lose to Nigeria. Not sure where. I don't even think they're ranked. I'm going to go with that. Australia ranked third in the world. Um, are we losing faith here in USA basketball, Sean, or is this not just, uh, you know, nothing to really worry about? Well, I'm certainly losing faith in this specific USA team. <laughs> And there's no LeBron, no Steph, no no Carmelo Anthony, who is actually a, an international basketball god. <laughs> but I am. I, I'm not going to lie. I am losing faith in this U.S. team. I don't see the chemistry. And I guess the only caveat to this is there's no Holiday Middleton and Booker yet on this team. And maybe they won't be in a very good shape to to play a lot of minutes because they're going to be exhausted from playing in the NBA finals and just flying over to Tokyo and starting to play in a totally different style of game. Like the international game is not the same as the NBA. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll see if they can help impact. And they're going to have to because Bradley Beal's now out with health and safety protocols. Jason Tatum has knee soreness and uh, maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just doesn't want to risk it uh, in lieu of the NBA season, which they will not tank. But <laughs> I I don't know. I uh, Kevin Durant doesn't strike me as a leader for this team and he needs to be. And I'm just I'm not convinced. I mean, he it, this is his opportunity to really prove who he is as a player. Because if he can be the best player on this team and take home the gold, I think it's going to change the perspective, his perspective of, of himself for a lot of people. But I mean, to start off one and two in these, which should be very easy exhibition games, it's very concerning. And I mean, I don't want to overreact to it, but I've seen the U.S. lose before. You know, <laughs> the U.S. is not immune to losing in, in these international competitions, whether we just don't take them as seriously. We don't know the rules as well or, or our team chemistry just doesn't work because they never really play together. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. And I mean, you got you got to go up against Luka Doncic this year and Spain's still going to be very good. And Australia has already kicked your ass once. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I definitely think they're vulnerable. I I still predict, though, that they will win the gold medal. I think they have the highest chance to. But I'm, I'm definitely losing faith, and I'm giving them a lower percent chance of that. Yeah. The U.S. basketball is still ranked number one in the world. And I just looked up. Nigeria is actually 22nd in the world. So. Oop. 
So it's, not it's pretty good bad. that they made the, the group stage. They made the Olympics. They made the top 16. Yeah, so that was a close one for Nigeria to go. But I got to think that I'm not sure I'm, I'd lose faith here, Sean. I'm taking the other side of it. I still think like we have to have the best. We have the best. Bas- at least individual basketball players in the game. And I have faith that Greg Popovich can put this all to put these guys together, or at least together enough to where you can come through with some big wins down the stretch. And I still see the, the U S basketball team coming out with the gold. So you think their odds of winning haven't changed at all? No. Wow. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, co- I'm confident in the U S of a, not that it matters, but there's just some weird dudes at the end of this USA roster. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, what is Sadiq Bay doing on this roster? Like, there's a G League guy, <laughs> this white guy named like Joe Majette or something like that. I thought it was Maggetti. But the, maybe it is Maggetti, but the announcer is <laughs> for the for the uh, Argentina game. At the end of it, they brought in this guy, Majette. Uh, and that's how they pronounced it. Maybe it's Maggetti. I don't know. But uh, he's a G League guy. Like, why is there a G League guy playing on the USA team? Is that is there like a spot reserve for G League guy on these USA rosters? Like, I don't really get it. But he made a three-point shot, and, and the crowd was super stoked about it. <laughs> but it was garbage time, so it didn't really matter. But, I wonder if yeah, he's just know. like a sub in for now because he's not on. I don't see him as the official 12 man on the official 12 okay. man Olympic roster. Yeah, maybe he's just like practice squad or something. But mm-hmm. I was like, who is this guy that we're bringing in? Like, what <laughs> is happening? Yeah, because yeah, it was weird. Yeah, because the team is still waiting on. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier Devin Booker uh, and Chris Middleton, Middleton and Holiday. Holiday. Yeah. So those are the three guys to still round out this roster. And I feel like we mentioned this last week, but why is it so hard for this team to round out with big men like Draymond Green, Grant? <laughs> I mean, Bam There's is Bam definitely one of our best. Kevin Love, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We probably don't, we probably just felt like we didn't need to be that big. You know? Mm-hmm. It's just play small ball. That's that's kind of been the, the new wave anyway. But yeah, Bam, Bam's plenty big. Kevin Love, uh, yeah, uh, Kevin Love's interesting pick, <laughs> but I mean, maybe no one else wanted to play. You know, I mean, Tokyo's in a state of emergency. It's like gonna, it's gonna be like playing in the NBA bubble again. Um, they're not gonna have any fans. They're not gonna be able to do anything. It's, yeah, it's probably just like people are like, ah, that doesn't sound fun. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Either way. Heading down the stretch, we got another USA game Friday, July 16th, Sunday, July 18th. And then the official group play starts on the 25th. Wow. We are getting it's like right after the NBA finals. They just they're yeah. just gonna go straight from Phoenix <laughs> to Tokyo. <laughs> what a better swing. Pack, better pack a big bag, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well crazy. There you have it, everybody. I'm sticking with six. Uh, Bucks, I mean, Suns and six. Sean sticking with Suns and seven. Um, Pat Cunnington may, may or not swing things for the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe, <laughs> likely not. But thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll continue breaking this down. And in a couple of weeks, we'll be in Sean's favorite part of the year, the NBA Let's offseason. Let's go. Offseason right around the corner, baby. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have a good week, everyone.